0: Welcome to Insignium Bits, conversations about breakthrough, innovation, and transformation.
1: Hi, I'm John Ball, Director of Content at Insignium. Along with my colleague and Insignium partner, Marie-Caroline Chevet, I recently had the chance to speak with Neil Archer, General Manager at Bristol-Myers Squibb in Germany, about how to lead an organization through drastic changes, both internally and externally. Mr. Archer is no stranger to change, having served as the regional and general manager for Celgene before the company was acquired by Bristol Myers Squibb in 2019. Before that, Mr. Archer worked in various roles for Eli Lilly & Company, including Senior Director of Marketing for its Neuroscience and Alzheimer's division, as well as Managing Director over its Scandinavian region. Our chat was a follow-up to an interview Mr. Archer gave to Insignium Quarterly in 2022, wherein he describes the acquisition process and what it takes to lead through disruption. If you'd like to read that interview, we'll be sure to provide a link in this episode's description. Without further ado, here's our conversation. Mr. Archer, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your time and look forward to learning your perspective on a host of topics. One of those at the forefront really is leading through changes in a business environment, which Marie Caroline and I know that this is something that you understand all too well. Given that change and disruption are part of today's business landscape, when it comes to managing and executing on strategic decisions, whether those are triggered by internal or external circumstances, where do you find yourself focusing most of your attention?
2: Yeah, great, great question, John. Thanks for that. In all of our careers, we are occasionally on the receiving end of bombshells of shock news, which none of us were expecting. But that is the exception. Usually, there is some hint that something big is coming down the tracks. And all of our employees, all of our colleagues are very much aware of that. And so I think it's a good piece of advice pave the way early. If you know at some point in the future, you will be the one delivering what could potentially be a bombshell make sure it's not. Pay attention to intentionally and frequently setting the scene, setting the context for whatever change you know you're going to announce at some point in the future, well ahead of time, and do it with frequency and with intention, with clarity. You know it inside out. You're probably dreaming about it and or having nightmares about it, but your audience won't. So try and minimize the shock value by really paving the way with the context of whatever announcement you know you're going to make in the future when well ahead of time as early as you can.
1: I respect that because, again, I, I would imagine the last thing you want to do is cause any additional disruption to an organization. As you're guiding through these minefields, are there principles or commitments that really influence your point of view or guide your actions through a process like this?
2: Yeah, I think it's healthy throughout this process to put yourself in the shoes, on the chair of the individual or individuals whose lives you're going to be impacting through this process. And we are talking about impacting people's lives. And so I think it's a healthy practice to set yourself the goal on certain metrics, certain outputs you want to realise at the end of the process. So, for example, how quickly you want to move each impacted individual or non-impacted individual through the various steps of the chains you're about to lead them down, from first announcement to learning about individual consequences or non-individual consequences. It's just important to communicate to each individual that something won't be happening that infects them as well as if it does. To closure of the project in the beginning of some form of normalcy, I think you have to start with that end point in mind and work back from there in terms of a schematic and a timeline. And then really try and ask yourself, how can you minimize the duration of that period in each step along the way? Because you're going to be taking people through a life event, you know, a career changing event for better, worse or neutral. And humans are conditioned to avoid stress situations and equally in a stress situation, it's not a positive emotion. And I think as leaders of whatever organisation we are part of, it's incumbent upon us as fellow human beings to try and minimise that period of stress as much as we possibly can. And it won't just happen, we have to be intentional about how we can apply various formulae to different steps of the process along the way.
0: Neil, thank you for that. And could you share some more insights into the structures or the strategies that proved useful to you when you were navigating you know, that whole change, whether it was building up to the change, managing the change, and then afterwards, what conditions did you create and what kind of support structures did you put in place?
2: Having a core team working on this that you've unblinded as early as possible is key. And yeah, I'm not exaggerating when I say you probably do spend through the hot phase of such a change more time with this team than you do with your family, for better or worse. Because the planning, the preparation, just the, the feeding off each other in terms of intellectual and practical inputs representing the whole organization is invaluable. And this team, by necessity, is typically quite a small one. It might be a dozen or so individuals speaking on behalf and planning on behalf of a thousand plus broader individuals within the organization. No insight, no comment, no suggestion is a bad one or superfluous one when it comes to the the quality of the finished product that you're trying to work towards in terms of a project plan. And you know, to give an example, a recent exercise, which I was part of, we met with this cadence and this intensity, literally three, four, five times a week, hours per week spent in each other's company to develop a plan which was executed over two or three days when the moment came. But I would dare to say that hardly a minute of that time was wasted in terms of leading to the quality of a plan at the end of the planning period.
0: And Neil, looking at the plan and the consequences of the change and the people that would be leaving, for example, what conditions did you prioritise? What were you committed to when you were building that plan?
2: Yeah, the minute a change of any magnitude is announced at an organisational level, it's human nature to ask yourself the question, what does this mean for me? The worst thing is for that period to be a long period. And for example, there are some situations Take, for example, a merger or an acquisition in the corporate world where regulatory steps by necessity can sometimes drag on the period with which, from which you ask yourself that question to which you receive the answer, weeks, if not months, which is not healthy, most importantly, not healthy for the individuals impacted. And it's not great for business continuity either. So first and foremost, we set ourselves a goal as to how can we make this? How can we give people the answer to that one question in short a time as possible? And given a recent example, which I was part of, uh, the the initial announcement was made on, on a Tuesday morning, and we had designed the entire plan so that nobody went home at the end of that week for the weekend, not having the answer to that question, what does it mean for me? And every bit of planning, every step, every broader individual involved in the execution was briefed, coached, and prepared with that goal in mind so that nobody's weekend was interrupted or with unnecessary anxiety to a greater extent than it needed to be.
0: Well, thank you for that, Neil. When you look back on that experience that you're talking about, is there anything you would have done differently in managing and executing some of those strategic decisions?
2: Yes, there are always things one would do differently with the benefits of hindsight. As I mentioned earlier, a small group of us spent a tremendous amount of time with each other planning the architecture of the change, which we were responsible for, it was a small group. And I would say the quality of the plan and the quality of the decision-making was greatly enhanced by that group of around a dozen individuals working together. I have within my organisation far more than a dozen very smart, very intuitive individuals. And with hindsight, I would probably have unblinded a slightly larger group, very much earlier to, again, further enhance the quality of the execution plan. As good as it was, you can never be satisfied with anything other than as close to perfection as you can get with the magnitude of decisions which are impacting people's careers and people's lives.
1: That's very insightful. So the current issue of Insignium Quarterly is about the evolving or really the changing paradigm of leadership. And so something that you just said triggered a thought about unblinding your team and maybe pulling them in and fostering that environment of collaboration. I'm curious if that's something that you feel that you're doing more and more and maybe the dynamics of being a leader has evolved. And if so, how are you changing your approach and what does that look like in real terms?
2: Great, great question, John. Yeah, I think Anyone that's been involved in business in in a leadership role, even say the last five years, has seen Mm -hmm. a dramatic change in what it takes or how we can apply ourselves for the the greater good of our organization. And I think for me personally, the most liberating epiphany came when I actually realized that I don't have all the answers. And I'm Mm -hmm. not going to offer all the answers simply because I'm at a certain point in an organogram. And I think taking the time to speak with every level, corner, function of an organization around a specific topic and just opening one's mind to the different perspectives may not give you a direct answer to a direct question, but it will certainly give you enough breadth and color around a given subject area to perhaps formulate a a better informed and a more targeted decision and way forwards. Because believe it or not, as experienced as we all think we are, and as senior as we all think we've risen within our organizations. There are others who will go further, faster than we ever did. And mm-hmm. it's those individuals that may just be able to help us today in our positions do a better job than we'd otherwise do on our own.
1: That's great. I'm curious, dealing with constant change and disruption it requires special resilience. And how have you built that resilience as a leader, whether it's lessons that you've learned through your career or maybe things that you've picked up just from being in the the Bristol Myers Scoop environment.
2: The question about personal resilience is a is a very relevant one, irrespective of where we sit in our organisations. And I don't think that I don't think there's one answer. I think everyone has their own formula. My particular cocktail is limited to, but not exclusive of. First of all, talk. Enlist the help and the support of a trusted confidant, be it a peer, a superior an external coach, someone that you can just talk to with whatever's on your mind, be it transactional and functional or emotional uh, and related to the all-important human side of a business. Just have a trusted circle that you can talk to. Secondly, very importantly, take care of your physical self as well. Physical well-being is directly linked to mental well-being. There is no escaping the fact that such periods are very demanding of both And the link between your physical well-beings of diet, nutrition, rest, exercise, very, very important. And again, be very, very intentional about how you are taking care of your body. Because if that's not in tip-top condition, you've got very little chance of the mind being where it needs to be in career episodes such as these. Maybe one final thing to add is as high as the mountain seems at the beginning of the journey, for yourself, even more so for the individuals who's lives and careers you're going to be touching first of all in your own mind and then again intentionally help the minds of others to see that there is a sunny place on the other side of that mountain as cloudy as it's stormy as it may be at the top and you will get through it and you will get through it quickly and I think again that focus on the end point of the journey as opposed to just the journey itself which will be turbulent at times is an important north star to guide yourself first and foremost, and then everybody within the organization towards as regularly and as positively as you possibly can.
0: Thank you, Neil, for sharing those insights and and your journey with us. Very impactful.
1: This was a pleasure. Thank you, Mr. Archer. We appreciate it. You're very well. Over 30 years ago, Insignium pioneered the field of organizational transformation. Please continue to our library in the episodes page of your podcast tool of choice.